We're going to read a quite lengthy passage. Well, it's not a real long one, but for public reading, we're going to read the entire chapter here just in a moment. Our message is coming from 1 Corinthians 13. Average person goes through life in a survival mode. We seem to think, and even even Christians are counted in this, seem to think that if we can just get by, if we can just achieve the minimum requirement, it'll be all right. Today I want uh, this on this first Sunday of 2008 to talk to you about some things that are very basic and fundamental to experiencing the best that God has for you, things that will get you started and sustain you throughout the coming year and, for that matter, throughout the, the rest of your life. Nowhere in Scripture do you find any record of God wanting His children to live a life of mediocrity or to barely get by in any area of life, whether it, uh, whether you're talking about your personal life, your family life, your business life, or for that matter, any other aspect of life. The truth is, God wants us to do more than just survive. In fact, He wants us, uh, the Bible says He wants to prosper us. Now, I know that's difficult for us sometimes as as uh, Bible-believing Christians who, who uh, uh, we want to be very careful that we don't get into this name-it-and-claim-it business of, of uh, you know, I, I believe that God wants me to be rich, so I'm just going to claim riches. Well, and, and I was telling the men this morning as we were praying together before the service that, I really struggle in preaching a message like this one because I want to overcorrect to be sure that people don't don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But the truth is, God wants to prosper us. He truly does. You can look at the scripture and find that. I'll, I'll give you a little exercise to do this uh, this week. Get get your concordance, and hopefully you have a good Strong's uh, concordance, whether the book or on. On CD, you can get them for a little or nothing. Uh, and they're one of the greatest Bible study tools that there are. Do a word study of the, of the word prosper. Just look up prosper, and you will be amazed uh, how many uh, times the Lord tells us in the Scripture that He wants us to prosper. Now, of course, the American definition of prosper and God's definition is two different things sometimes because... You know, America, the average American looks at it and says, well, you know, we, we, um, we need to have all the things we can gather around us, and all of a sudden we look at ourselves as prospering. But the truth is, um, the best things in life are not things. The best things in life are the, are the, are the gifts of God. And so, but anyway, the, the point here is, is simply this. God wants us to prosper. And... As I said, uh, that this is not some plan that God has whereby we just name it and claim it as we go through life. It's really not that simple. 
God desires our love, and he knows if he has our love, he knows that if he does have our love, that our lives will reflect it. As a result of, uh, of his desire to have our love, he, he tells us in his word that there are some things that will endure forever. They will always be part of his plan. Even though there are some other things that will cease or vanish away, as the scripture puts it. I want us to read this morning with these thoughts in mind that there are some things which are essential to a prosperous Christian life Let's read beginning with verse 1 of chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. If you, uh, by the way, don't have a Bible, if you'd like to have one, there are a few of them under the uh, the seats, um, maybe down at the end of the row you're on. If you need one, just kind of poke the person next to you and tell them to send one down maybe. And uh, we'd, we'd want everybody to be able to read along with us if you if you can. Beginning in verse 1, though I speak with the Tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity. But rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now... We see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. I want you to hold your place if you would. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. Turn over to 1 John chapter 4. The epistles of John are the little books right before uh, the book of Revelation. Uh, Jude, of course, is the book that comes right before the book of Revelation, the last book in the New Testament. And then the, uh, if you're still learning your way around your Bible, the, the three books right prior to that will be uh, the, the epistles of John. We'll look in the first one, 1 John chapter 4 and verse... Uh, Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, 
For love is of God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Going back to 1 Corinthians 13, I want to just share some thoughts from the 13th verse. Where once again it says, Now abide faith, hope, love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. I like the way the New Living Translation translates this. It says these, uh, there are three things that will endure. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Three things that are essential to the prosperous Christian life. They are a, an absolute must. The first one, there's a very simple outline for your notes this morning. <laughs> right there in verse 13, faith, hope, and love. There's your outline. Uh, let's fill it in a little bit. you got to look over at chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews. I want to talk about the subject of faith. Faith being the very first thing that is that is essential to prospering in the Christian life. Being the very first thing that God expects from us if we are to expect his blessings in our, in our lives. Verse 1 of chapter 11 of Hebrews says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, for the evidence of things not seen. Verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And this whole chapter, of course, is devoted to the subject of faith. It, it gives one illustration after another about great people of faith, how that, how that they have pleased God through their faith and how God has, has blessed them and has literally prospered them. And I know you get down to the end of that, uh, end of the chapter and you read that some of them, uh, they, they didn't receive the reward for their faith in this life. In fact, they were they, they lost their lives as a result of their faith. You say, how do you see that as prosperity? I see the fact that God has a person in the very center of his will. And God is using And there's nothing greater than knowing that you're in the center of God's will and that God is using you. Scott, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. Would you open that back door for just about three minutes back there i hope you're warm enough i'm fixing to cool it off in here because i'm about to die <laughs> last last week there you know there we had a whole row of people that were snoring and so we want to make sure that everybody's awake this week i'm just kidding it was only the back row that was snoring and back in the back in the back back there at the uh, sound booth <laughs> Anyway, we, we actually asked the, uh, asked the school if they'd turn the, they've got a control on this thermostat that we have no control over other than just to ask. And they turned it down two degrees. I think we need to bump it another two. What do you think? Yeah, anyway, but, uh, <clears throat> sorry for that. I thought it might be better to do that now than to wait till everybody's passed out on the floor from heat prostration. Yeah, it is. Faith being the very first subject, being the very first uh, essential thing to the prosperous Christian life. We need to know that there are things that we can depend on. 
We need to know that there are things that we can depend on. Just like children, we have got to be able to, uh, to depend on some things. Psalm uh, 46 is a, is a, a great, uh, a great promise of God. Psalm 46 and verse 1. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear even though the earth be removed. Though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Selah. Scripture says that God is our very present help in a time of trouble. He's our refuge and our strength. And we knew, uh, we do need to know that there are some things in this, in this, in this life that we can depend upon. We need, we need to be able to, to, to depend on the Lord. And we can. And I want to say to you this morning that according to the scripture, we can depend on, on Him for our protection. And yes, physical protection as well as our spiritual protection. God is our great protector as our Father. I never forget. I had a, uh, I had an aunt when I was a kid that was, uh, uh, we we had gone to the mountains of New Mexico. I grew up in, uh, over in the Panhandle of Texas, and and so when we went to the mountains, it took us a little longer than it does from here to there. Uh, we'd uh, it took us about four hours to get into the mountains, and there was one pass that we used to go over. They call the Red River Pass. Uh, you remember that one up in up northern New Mexico, up in the Southern Rockies, and that thing had I don't know how many about eight or ten of these hairpin turns on them. And that's not so bad, but back in those days, it was dirt road. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't any pavement. I mean, and it was one lane. And it was, you know, it was kind of like some of the, a few of the roads are, are, are in our mountains up here, I guess. But uh, people drove over that thing like it was nothing. And as a little kid, I scared to death to go over that thing. I think I listened to my mother too much because she was just paranoid about the thing. But i never forget, her sister one time was with us on the trip, and for some reason she was driving. And she was driving over that mountain pass like it was the freeway out here. And I was squawking as a little 10 or 12-year-old kid trying to tell her to slow down. And, and you know, and, and, and she said, no, wait a minute. She said, I don't want to go over that over the side of this hill and so i'm not going to go over the side of this hill you just need to relax and you know what for me as a 10 year old kid or or a kid about that age i just all i all i had to stop and think well well, she doesn't want to go down there so she's going to keep us from going down there so everything will be all right i can just relax and I began to think about that as I began, as I got to know the Lord, I began to realize that there's certain things that God wants for us. And if we will just relax in Him and let Him work in our lives and know that He is our protector, whether it's, whether it's, it's relative to, to physical things or, or spiritual things or emotional things, doesn't matter. God wants to protect us. He is our refuge. He is our strength. He knows what our needs are, which brings the second point. We can depend on not only for our protection, but for our provision. Rich or poor, we should never doubt that we'll be provided for. 
You know, kids need to know that there's not going to be a uh, that there's not going to be a a thing that they have need of that they will have to do without. Kids need to know that. Well, I'm grateful as a, as a young boy. I never doubted that I was going to that my needs were going to be taken care of. It's amazing once I became a child of God how I began to learn to doubt. Because you see, I I have a tendency to think it's all up to me. And just in case you're thinking I'm strange, that's the way you are too. All of us are that way, aren't we? In our flesh, we want to we want to kind of we we kind of think it's up to us, and we've got to provide for ourselves. When in fact, when we stop and realize, when we come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as as our personal Savior, God becomes our Father. And I want to say to you this morning that God is a better Daddy than any that that I've ever known. And my dad was the best dad in the world, for that matter, I must say. I'm grateful I can say that. I know not everybody can say that about their earthly father. But I want to tell you, my dad, as good a dad as he was, he, he doesn't hold a candle to my heavenly father. For my heavenly father never fails me. He always provides for me. He's there for me. He's, he knows what my needs are. And, 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 and in fact, he's made me a promise. He said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things you have need of will be added unto you. You just seek first the kingdom of God, and God will take care of you. There's a, there's a verse of scripture over in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19 that says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, I want to say to you this morning, that is a conditional promise. That, that promise was given to the church at Philippi with a condition. It was based on, he made that statement based on the fact that, that the people at Philippi had been putting God first. Comes right back to Matthew 6, 33, doesn't it? That's exactly what, uh, what we need to do is just to put God as the center of our lives. Let him be the center of our focus. Our faith should be in him, not in our bank account, not in our ability to get things done, not in anything other than him. You know, I'm reading just recently, uh, uh through the, uh, the book of second Kings again for the, I don't know how many times, but I just love those books and, and, Judah gets in big trouble, gets in really big trouble. I think it was a King Ahaziah, if I can pronounce it right, uh, who basically had saw uh, an enemy come to, to his borders. And so what did he do? He went to Egypt and hired Egypt to come and help him out and what... and. So they pretty much took care of business, and God then later said, okay, now here's your problem. You went to Egypt instead of coming to me. So you're, gonna, you, you're getting ready to, you're going to have a little thing called captivity in Babylon. Because you did not seek me first. God's people need to go to God first. Amen. But we have a tendency to go everywhere else. First and then go to God. You know, people act like, well, the last thing I need to do is to pray. I want to say to you this morning, my friend, that the first thing you need to do is to pray. And then you'll, you'll, find, yourself, you'll find yourself prospering in the will of God. 
Oh, it's amazing how God will provide for us if we'll just come to Him. We need to learn to simply take God at His word. Just learn to take God at His word. God has said some things in His in His word that uh, they're promises. We have every right to to accept them as such. And to count on them as such, that's what faith is, is just expecting it to be there. You see, it's substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. Substance being the realization, uh, the evidence being confidence in things that we have not seen. We just need to have confidence in what God has, has said. Taking God at his word is not always the logical thing to do. Because God doesn't go by the same set of rules that you and I do. You see, God said in in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 8 and 9, he said, my ways are not your ways. And my thoughts are not your thoughts. For my ways are above your ways and my thoughts are above your thoughts. God has a better way. And His way many times is not logical. We look at when, when we, we, we understand something is the will of God for us, but yet it doesn't make sense. And I could sit here and name many different things that just don't seem to be real logical. You know, when I, I learned the, 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 the blessing of, of giving, and I had to learn the blessing of tithing. You know, and I don't apologize for mentioning this one bit. You know, some preachers are scared to death to talk about money. Well, let me say this to you. God doesn't need your money and he don't need mine. All right? I'm, I'm telling you this for your benefit, not for the benefit of this church. God will take care of this church. But God wants to take care of you. And what I have found out is when 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 I learned the... Uh, the blessing of tithing. I learned that uh, that ninety percent of what uh, of what I made in in, in my my paycheck every week, my gross paycheck, by the way, and it was very gross at the time. It was it was you know you know how that goes. Ninety percent of it would go further than one hundred percent. Now that doesn't make one bit of sense. It just doesn't. But you know what? It's God's plan. And it's true. And it works. And I, you know, I must, I like to tell you that I just, I became a Christian and all of a sudden I just began uh, to, to apply that principle to my life. I didn't. I became a Christian and I was convicted about that need to do that. And the fact that t- the first 10% of my income belonged to God. And so I just kind of bargained with God a little bit and said, God, you know, uh, you know, you know how it is. In fact, uh, you know how it is, God. In fact, I'll just, I'll just tell you. When, when, when I got saved, I had more money going out every month than I had money coming in every month. Now, how does that work? I don't know, but it was not a pretty picture. I'll just, <laughs> it was just foolishness as a young man. Uh, that just knew nothing about the whole issue of, of managing a dollar. 
And then I started giving to the Lord. And then I realized that, you know, I, I knew I couldn't, man, this 10% stuff, I mean, I know it's right, but God just has to understand it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to, boy, it was a big measure of faith. I started out with a little small amount, and I increased it a little bit, and I increased it a little bit more. Finally, I was so close to, uh, to, my, to my tithe, I thought, well, why don't you just grow up and, be, and, and do what God said to do and see if God will bless you. And you know what I did? And amazingly, my finances started to turn around. I didn't become real smart. God just began to bless me in the area of my financial life. And it doesn't matter whether we're talking about in our financial lives or whether we're talking about with our time. You know, one of the things that bothers me more than anything else as a Christian that's just too busy to serve God. I'm just too busy. You know what my answer to that is? And I'm not trying to be hateful. Those of you who know me know that this... I just want to tell you, if you're too busy to serve God, you're too busy. You need to give something up. For God God gave you every minute of the day, that every breath of your life is from Him. Should you not give part of your life to Him? Should you not give all of your life to Him? It belongs to Him. I'm just so busy. Bless your heart. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I, I'm coming across as probably as a little bit too frank on that. But I want to tell you what, that's the way it is. We are too busy if we're too busy. If God asks us to do something, we need to get our, we need to learn to prioritize our lives. And believe me, I know something about the need to learn to prioritize my life. Every time somebody asks me for a prayer request, I could probably ask you as a group, if you've ever prayed for me, what one of my chief prayer requests is, is learn how to manage your time. Because I struggle with that more than anything else. Because I'm too busy. Now, I know you didn't need to hear any of that, but I needed all that preaching, so you just bear with me for just a minute. <laughs> It's not always logical. It's not always the logical thing to do. It's not always the easiest thing to do. God will stretch you. That's, that's what it's called growth. When He stretches us, it's not always the most popular thing to do. Not everybody's going to understand why you're doing what you're doing when you're serving God, when you're doing what God wants you to do, when you're trusting God by faith. It's not always going to be the, the most popular thing to do. But let me tell you something that it is. It's always the right thing to do. It's always the right thing to do. It always pays to trust God. Always. Folks, let me, let me tell you, not only does it bless us, does it prosper us, but it works in our lives. It's, it's God working in our lives to be a blessing to other people. When you hear of someone who has been blessed of God, someone who is, and when, when you see someone who is faithful to God, and, and you see God's working in their lives, isn't it an encouragement to you? It is to me. I believe it is to everybody. 
God can bring other people to a point where they too can trust the Lord through our testimony. And since I believe that, uh, that, that, that this is true, I want to tell you something. As a pastor, I've had to, I've had to make some decisions in, in my ministry over the last almost 30 years now that, that are right in line with everything I've been talking about. I've had to leave some churches that I didn't necessarily want to leave. No, they didn't ask me to leave. You know, I heard about a preacher one time that he had to leave because of health reasons. The people were sick and tired of him, so he had to leave, you know. And But no, that's not, I've never had any of those. I pastored three churches before coming here. I left every one of them making Making an illogical decision. There's times I expect, you know, I fully expected my wife to look at me and say, what in the world are you thinking? But the good news is God speaks to your wife just like he speaks to you. And she understood. Never forget the first church that we pastored. We'd been there for almost six years and, and, we just knew God had used us all he could use us there and that he had another assignment for us. We didn't know what it was. We loved those people like they were our own family because they were in Christ. It totally illogical. Totally unpopular. They didn't want us to leave. Talk about illogical. Second church that I pastored, we were there for ten, a little over ten years, and had a great ministry there. Man, I, God just really blessed our ministry there, as He has every church we've been at. <laughs> but when God called us to the to the next church. It was a lot easier to go. Because we learned something from the last one. Totally illogical, but yet we knew it was God. You say, how do you know? How do you know that God is wanting you to do something that just doesn't make sense? Well, you make sure it lines up with his word to begin with. And then there comes a peace that passes understanding when you pray about it and you're totally surrendered to the will of God. No matter what, whether it's to go, stay, or do something totally different. I won't continue to talk about our our situation just to just to tell you that God when God leads it's always been the right thing for us to do to to follow him because it's a it's the place of blessing it's a place of prosperity and I, one of the great things I knew God wanted us to or I had a sense that God wanted us to start a, a new church Several years ago, even before we came here, I had a great deal of fear because how in the world am I going to make a living? <laughs> I'm still wondering that. <laughs> you know, how, how, how in the world am I going to make a when you When you have been in ministry for, for 20 years plus and then you, you begin to think about going somewhere where your congregation is your wife and your dog, you know, I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> 
There's a little trepidation there, you know. But when God leads, no matter how illogical, no matter, you know, it wasn't the easiest thing to do to get into the will of God. God always supplies. And I praise Him for His goodness in that. You see, like children, we need that protection. We need that provision. We need to know there are some things that we can depend on. We, we've got to have faith in our Lord. And that's the first essential to doing more than just surviving in a world that is not on your side. It's living by faith, trusting him, taking him at his word. Let me give you a second thing. It's very much like it. And that is hope. You knew that one was coming, didn't you? Hope. Hope is, is similar to faith, but it has more to do with things to come. You see, a positive attitude about life is like, it, it, it's, a, it's a necessity in, in the, the midst of, of this world that is so negative. I mean, we're told on every hand that this, this world is just a mess. Man, live, you know, when, uh, I never forget when Rush Limbaugh first came on, on the radio. And I was so relieved I, we were living in austin texas one of the most liberal places in in the world i suppose uh newspaper there is the austin american statesman and most people called it the un-american statesman it was just terrible i mean so slanted every now and then i'd have to go to the 7-eleven get a get a uh a dallas morning news just to get some sort of balance you know and the dallas morning news is about as liberal as a uh, paper as you'd want but still that's how bad it was. And Rush Limbaugh comes on the radio, and I, I'm i kind of relieved. I'm hearing this weird-sounding guy talking and carrying on like he was, but he's talking about some stuff that politically that I kind of lined up with. And I enjoyed it for a while until it got to be where it's just negative after negative. And, and if you're a Rush Limbaugh fan, God bless you. I love to listen to Rush Limbaugh for at least about 90 seconds out of a day. I can't handle much more than that. I like Sean Hannity and some of those guys, but good, not all they're doing is griping about who's in uh, the, the liberals this, the Democrats that. And, uh, and while I may agree with what they're saying, good night, you get tired of hearing some of that stuff after a while, don't you? No, you like that negative stuff? I'll pray for you. I want to tell you what, we need, this comes back, this hope business, Forget politics. Forget politics. We're in a world that is negative and against us as believers. And we don't line up with, with, the, uh, with the status quo, with the way the world thinks. If you believe what the Bible thinks, you're, a, you're, you're different. The Bible says you're a peculiar person, meaning you're different than, than the world. What we need is a, is is a is is a positive attitude about life because we know who who our source in life really is. A number of years ago, uh, my wife and I were invited to to host a uh, a Caribbean cruise. Uh, 
back in the early 90s, we took about 50 people uh, on a cruise down in the Caribbean. And, man, what a blessing it was. Biggest blessing, it was free. <laughs> we, uh, this fellow who was uh, a travel, he was somehow hooked up with the travel industry somehow. He's, and he was a Christian. He said, would you be willing to preach every night on a cruise ship if we furnished you and your wife a, uh, a free ticket on this cruise ship and you could, you know, convince a bunch of the folks in your church and other, other places to go. And I said, sign me up. And so I preached every night in, uh, in a discotheque. They don't have those anymore, I guess. But it's a bar, if you're wondering. <laughs> the bar didn't open until about 8 o'clock in this place, and they had the little globe up there, you know, with the, you know, that spun around with all the lights and all that stuff and all the red and blue lights and stuff in there. And we had to go in there and literally turn on the white lights so we could see what we were doing. But I preached every night in that bar before it opened. And people would come in there thinking they were coming into the bar. They were coming into church. And we'd have people come in and sit down. And they'd, some of them would stay and some of them wouldn't stay. But we went, one of our stops was um, uh, Jamaica. Montego Bay. Montego Bay, thank you. Montego Bay, Jamaica. And, uh, and, my, and some of you have been there. In Montego Bay, they have these... Uh, they have these river rafting trips, and these rafts are about four or five feet wide, maybe, about 20 feet long, and are just made out of bamboo poles that are strapped together. They got two or three seats on them, and then you got this guy that stands up there, and he guides this thing down this river, and you're floating down this river and seeing all this beautiful scenery and listening to this Jamaican talk. Well, the scenery was beautiful, but I will tell you, the blessing was getting to hear, talk to this Jamaican fellow. You see, in Jamaica, they have a, uh, they have a term, IRE, I-R-I-E. What it means is basically, no problem, be happy. No problem, be happy. I talked to this, uh, I talked to this Jamaican fellow, this raft guide and they are so poor it will break your heart to see the the poverty that's there and i talked to the guy and i said man he had such a tremendous attitude and i said you know what what makes you so happy he said i'm a rich man so what do you mean you're a rich man no problem no problem, man. Harry, <laughs> yeah. be happy. He said, because I'm happy. I'm, I'm rich. His attitude was one of faith. I talked to him about, about the Lord, by the way, and his, and his faith was in the right thing and the right person, the Lord Jesus. But, you know, when we talk about hope, that's what that is. It's having an expectation of things being right. As we place our faith in Jesus Christ, our, our hope will become real hope. It's not just, I hope it happens hope. It's, it's, I know that it's going to happen hope. It'll become real because, because He is the source of our hope and not things. 
Instead of an attitude of complaint and, and selfishness, we can, we can have one of true happiness because our hope is in Him. The Christian ought to be able to say, no problem, Mom. Be happy. We have every right to say that. Let me give you the last and most important. And that's love. Love. What is love? We read about it, 1 Corinthians 13, a moment ago. Beginning with verse 4 down through the 8th verse. It says, love is long-suffering. It's patient. Make application to your own life here as we go through these things. I'm not, I don't need to, I don't need to, you can. I need to in my life, but I don't need to explain it to you. God can. It's long-suffering. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's compassionate. Love is not envious, boastful, or proud. Love's not rude self-seeking, or easily angered, verse 5 tells us. Verse 6 says it, it doesn't keep a record of wrongs or delight in evil. It rejoices in truth. It protects, it trusts, it hopes, it perseveres. Verse 8 says, love never fails. You see, faith and hope are literally the manifestations of love. That's why he said the greatest of these is love. As you love the Lord, and as you love others, your faith manifests itself in love. Or it exhibits love. That's what it means. It manifests. It exhibits love as you as you as as you love him and others. Your hope, your positive expectations, exhibits that love. Love literally, as we read a moment ago from First John four eight. Love is Christ manifesting Himself in us, for He is love. God is love. So it brings me back to my thought for today. How can we prosper in this new year and for the rest of our lives? How can we live a life above the level of survival? How can we thrive when the world wants to drag us down? Our lives need to be filled with faith, hope, and love. Remember, faith and hope are manifestations of love. So, which begs the question, where do we, where do we get the measure of love that we need in order to be able to manifest the measures of faith and hope that we need? And that, my friend, is a very easy question to ask, or to answer. Just accept it as the gift that it is from God himself. 1 John 4, 10 and 11 says this is real love. It's not that we loved God, but that he loved us. 
sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. If we'll accept the gift of his love for us and give it away to others, return it to him, we'll continue to receive more and and the cycle will continue. And our prosperity as his children will be, will be a direct result of our love for him and others. You know, Jesus was asked, what is the greatest of all the commandments? Remember what it was? Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And he coupled another one to it as well. Love your neighbor as yourself. The greatest of all the commandments. He said, on these two hang all the law and prophets. In other words, everything else will take care of itself. You will you'll find yourself in the center of God's will if you'll just love God and love people the way that you ought to do it. Bow your heads with me, please, for just a moment. Every head bowed and every eye closed, please. I know that sometimes it's not easy to love. It's not easy to... It's not even easy to to think about our love for God for we get so wrapped up in our own problems and our own situation or our, in ourselves when, when in fact we, we forget what he's done for us. I want to tell you, the, someone asked uh, here about a week or two ago, someone asked, how can we teach others to love God as they ought to? And I want to tell you, easy thing for me to tell you is just think about what he's done for you. You think about what he's done for you, you can't help but love him. Jesus Christ stepped down from the the realms of heaven, was born in a miserable stable, lived a meager life in a carpenter's home, didn't even have a place to call his own, he said, when he was asked where he lived. Was lied about. Was falsely accused. Was condemned to die. Beaten. Severely. And hung on a cross. Until he died. He did all of that for one reason, and that's because he loves you and because he loves me. And that'll make you fall in love with him. That'll make you want to return that love for him. For you see, when Jesus died on the cross, he was there dying in my place and in yours. For the Bible says very clearly that the, that the wages for sin or the payment for sin is death. There's not a person in this room doesn't deserve to pay those wages, including this preacher. But Jesus said, I don't want you to pay for it. I want to do it for you. And his death on the cross made it possible for you and I to have forgiveness of sin. For all we must do is to come to him. 
recognizing that he died for us personally and that our faith in him is what will bring that forgiveness of sin. Asking him to forgive us is one, but accepting his forgiveness. The Bible says we can have forgiveness of sin and we don't have to keep asking for it. We get born into God's family one time. Oh yes, we we find ourselves failing the Lord as we go along as believers even. And we need to stop and confess our sin as such. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. The Bible says even as his children. But that one time event, that one time where we receive Christ as our personal Savior is the most important decision we'll ever make in our lives. I wonder this morning, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, and we're just about out of time, but I want to take the time this morning. For there may be someone here this morning who needs to pray and say, Lord, I am a sinner, just acknowledging it to God and asking Him for forgiveness and receiving the payment that He made as yours, receiving Him as your personal Savior. If you can't look back to a time in your life when you truly became a child of God. One time event. I'm not talking about a time you joined a church. I'm not talking about a time that you were confirmed. I'm not talking about a time that you were baptized. I'm talking about a time when you came into a personal love relationship with him. If you're not sure of that, I want to encourage you this morning to pray a very simple prayer with me. And as you pray, I want you to make this prayer your prayer. Make it you don't, you don't have to you don't have to pray it out loud you don't have to you don't have to do anything special other than just believe what you're saying from your heart so if you you're not sure of your relationship with him this morning pray with me right now dear god i confess to you that i'm a sinner and i ask you to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sin. So I accept him as my personal Savior. And I invite him into my life to take charge of my life. I give you my heart. I give you my life today. In Jesus' name. Our heads are still bowed and our eyes are still closed. If you prayed that simple prayer with me just now and you meant it from your heart, according to the scripture, the Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You just became God's child. He became your father. You can expect to take him at his word in every way as your father. I wonder this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, nobody's looking, just just if you would this morning. I'm not going to point you out or embarrass you or call your name or, or it'll just be between you and I and the Lord this morning. But I'm going to ask you with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed to receive Christ this morning, would you just slip your hand up so I can see it and then put it back down. God bless you. Someone else, you prayed this morning to accept Jesus as your Savior. Just raise it up. Maybe this morning you're here today and you've been just, you're a believer and you know if you died you'd go to heaven, but you've just been struggling. And this, you know, this world is 
this negative world we're in has been a struggle for you, and you just maybe your focus has been wrong. It hadn't been on the right right source. The source being the Lord. Maybe you, like I have many times, found I found myself looking to the wrong place to have my needs provided when in fact my focus needs to be on the Lord. May I pray for you this morning? There's a need in your life. God has spoken to your heart. Your faith needs to be increased. Your hope needs to be increased. The love that you have for him and for others, God bless you. God bless you and you. God bless you and you. Hands this, God bless you. Hands up all over the building. God bless you. You can put them down. Lord, I want to thank you for all these show of hands this morning. What a blessing it has been to be able to be here this morning and to be able to share the truth and the encouragement from your word for us. Lord, thank you first of all for for those who have accepted Christ as our Savior. God, I pray that that salvation would be real and and the growth as a as a new believer today would begin and and you would begin to open up doors and, and, and understanding for uh, for those who've called upon the Lord Jesus this morning. And Lord, I pray for these that have raised their hands for prayer as, as believers. I pray for them, dear Lord, that you'd help them to trust you, to take you at, at, at your word, Lord. And I know they want to, and Lord, our flesh so much of the time, it's, it's difficult because we, we think we control things when we don't. Father, take control of every one of our lives today. Help us to be people of faith people of hope, and Lord, most importantly, people who love you and love other people so that that love can manifest itself in the faith and hope that's in our lives. Lord, bless these dear folk who've asked for prayer this morning. Meet their needs according to your will as only you can, and Lord, we'll give you praise for it. And Lord, we pray that you'll bless our our small groups that begin this week, our Lord, the, uh, I pray that you, you just continue to use uh, your word as we study it together. Bless each group that it would, would grow in grace and knowledge of you. And, and Lord, continue to, to, to bless our church. Thank you for this good, good uh, attendance that we have this morning on such a, a difficult day to get out. But God, you brought people here and we praise you for that. We thank you for loving us the way you do. Lord, just help us to return a portion of that to you. In Jesus' name we pray it all and for his glory. Amen.